it's like I'm all geared up and ready to go, but we can't use that guy's. Those are Jim Steinman's lyrics, not Meatloaf's. That means we can still use them, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. it's yeah. safe. But if they're Meatloaf's, that's a no. But if they're can't Jim do. Steinman's, it's okay, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jim Steinman hasn't been canceled, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. okay. Just be square. I would. I would want to have us canceled. Like our ten listeners would be devastated. Yeah, because, I mean, they want to find out the follow-up of Legion 89, issue 6, after 5, and the 4 that they didn't read before. You mean L period, E period, G period, I period, O period, N period, 89? Yeah, Legion. Apostrophe 89. Yeah. Because we just can't write 1989 on there. No, that's not cool, Dan. Well, this could be Legion 1889. And if it oh. is, it was a very expensive book, and the coloring is really amazing for the printing practices of that time. That was cra- that would be so crazy. I mean, it was done by uh, an assassin's guild, and they were running around all stealthily. This would also st- make it the first superhero comic book in the U.S. for sure by several for years. Sure. Just, I think yeah, it was done on one of those old school classic printing presses that only four people knew how to use it at the time. And still only four people know how to use it now at the time. Yeah. And this whole like outer space mission would be an entire indict of free silver. Wild. Yeah. You, you didn't, you, didn't free silver. You, you don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I need you to read some history, sir. I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it's back there somewhere in the back of my brain. I just, I, it's been a long day, Dan. It's hot. You just I'm let the free silver joke go. Like I'm crushed. I thought I had a killer joke there, you and probably, you just like let it let it die. You probably did, and I, I know our eight listeners now six. You know, if there are any of the listeners in in Idaho, they're going to be really in, in Nevada. They're going to be really disappointed you didn't understand my comment. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, at least the ones that didn't sleep through Nevada State and Idaho State history. I mean, they might have. Well, (laughs) we have Strata here getting lit up on the cover. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no. And this is and and, and this this is the book that I had when I was like, I I thought this was a cool book. And honestly, I'm going to say it and and people can they can laugh. But, you know, my my 11 or 12 year old uh, brain looking at this really quick was flipping through the long boxes. I saw this cover. I thought it was a. A Fantastic Four book, and I just slapped it into my pile. And uh, when I got home, I I was very like, "What the hell is this?" That's interesting because I mean, you thought Strata was the thing. I did, and you just didn't really see uh, the other folks. I, well, but, no, uh, I mean, like you know, there's always there's always other stuff happening in a Fantastic Four book. So I just figured, oh, hey, it's Ben Grimm. <laughs> that's fair. It was like Ben Grimm fighting. Uh, who were the fake Legion that are the 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 fake legion of superheroes uh the shiar shiar the shiar yeah the shiar right the shiar imperial guard because when there's anyway not to as long as well we're on legion today so i'm not going to get into all the ways they're the fake legion of superheroes but when dave cockrum (laughs) went over to marvel from dc after drawing the legion of superheroes not legion 89 right (laughs) right he he wanted to keep trying legionnaires so a bunch of the shiar imperial guard are legionnaires basically right like uh who's who's the big monel one with the mohawk um oh, why am i blanking on his name i'm blanking too the big I... strong one in the imperial guard right and i'm totally blanking on his name but that's basically monel right yeah yeah and as an example so 
look at me learn look at me i was prepared for this conversation not at all but there we go yeah there's well do you think though i mean as we get into the cover i don't want to belabor the point too much but we've got another kevin mcguire and al gordon cover too Mm -hmm. i mean you thought it was a fantastic four book do you think your small child brain saw the art too and was like your brain goes oh that's like the cool art i like in justice league i'll grab that book I, it could have been too. I mean, because I, I was reading those at the time. So it, I just, it was one of those like, I'm just grabbing anything that I can, uh, that I can, I can get for, I think like books at that point were still like a quarter a piece. So I was getting stuff for cheap. Yeah. And, and by this point, I dollars. think, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, by this point, too, I think we're off to Adam Hughes and Bart Sears on Justice League, right? Because McGuire doesn't last that long. He only lasts a couple of years, I think. So it yeah. should be just at the end of his run, but he's still doing covers, obviously. So there we go. Well, anyway. Cover is amazing, cool, though. <laughs> it's a cool cover. Yeah. It's a very different McGuire cover, too, right? Like you think of the McGuire covers as the famous faces with the expressions, right? That mm-hmm. Justice League number one and. Maguire stuff. And I like this. You get an action cover that also has the faces with expressions, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can obviously see Strata is not real happy about being hit with this big light beam. No, not at all. <laughs> like, and uh, Garen, though he is missing some of his wedge hair, mm-hmm. uh, clearly not doing so well. And we've got uh, Larissa Maller, the shadow champion of Talok 5. Because we need to make sure we say that. We learned last issue, right? You make sure you get her whole title and her whole morals. <laughs> right. Her, all of her morals in every conversation. So, but she looks, yeah, scared, right? Yeah. And, yeah, it's good. And, and, and cradling the wedge. <laughs> and cradling wedge head. Yeah. Wedge head. And we got a bunch of little ships shooting at them. And Legion 89, number six, new format by DC Comics. We didn't mention that one last time, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but new format came after Baxter format. So if you're familiar with direct sales market, not to take us on an aside, but uh, DC ventures in the direct sales market in 1984 with uh, several books. I've mentioned this on podcast past, including Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. New Teen Titans, Infinity Inc. Let's see if I can get them all. Uh, Outsiders, right? Batman and the Outsiders became the Outsiders. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's one more. I know there was a question maxi series in that format uh, and there were a couple of other things. But yeah, so there we go. And now we've got the new format, right, which is now DC just basically like, all right, we're all direct sales. But some of these are going to be on a little bit fancier paper. Right. (laughs) But that Baxter, but it wasn't but it was kind of a shift, too, because the Baxter paper was much nicer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was easier to print on, but the Baxter paper was really thick. And then so they could get the really dark, rich coloring on it. I think and, as and a, the crazy as a reader too, you'd grab it and you're like, oh, this is this is worth that whatever, because it's you know, it's it's a nice feel. It's not your standard, you know, newsprint book that's just whatever. It's yeah, there was some heft to it. <laughs> I also think it devalued some of those comics because there's so many of them lasted. Mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. they were higher quality because they weren't on newsprint. So you can go buy a bunch of the Legion run or a bunch of the Titans run for nothing because mm-hmm. those infinity ink costs really nothing. Dang. You can go find Todd McFarlane's <laughs> first work at, I don't know if the t- McFarlane books cost nothing, but you can find, you could for a long time, find a lot of McFarlane's first work at DC for nothing, you know, in dollar it, bins probably yeah. still can. Cause it, yeah, it just held up. It's not, it's not like one of your, old like x123s it's just like need to help right 
So, but we, we, we switched to this new format. Uh, so they, they took the quality down a little bit, but the colors are amazing, right? <laughs> and we were talking about this last issue too. I think this, this color really goes into, I mean, if you look at Grant and Kitson, and obviously uh, Barry Kitson is not coloring it, right? But if you look at the spirit of this, too, I mean, we had the British invasion creators coming over from uh, the UK. Yeah. And we got we got the entire uh, uh, Watchmen series is already out by this point and, mm-hmm. and gone. And Watchmen had a lot of these pinks, right? And non-primary colors in it mm-hmm. to illustrate that the world was maybe not on the up and up mm-hmm. different. Yeah. And here we get the same sort of thing. So Gibbons has commented on that. Dave Gibbons has commented on that multiple times, like how the coloring choices influence how the reader reads the story. And in this case, and these stories were not primary colors. And I will say that when I was a kid reading Legion, um, the original Legion is bright primary colors, right? Bright, shiny future. Mm-hmm. And then at this point, I'm also at the same time getting the the five years later Legion, which goes into the dark colors too. So it's like the two Giffen books I'm reading are these dark. I don't know if the Legion book was out yet, actually. I think the first issue came a couple months after this. But so I guess I didn't know. But I go from having a Legion book every month, right? That's bright, shiny to getting a L-E-G-I-O-N. And all of a sudden, the the ancestor Brainiac 5 is an insane person. And <laughs> everything's dark and brooding. And they're making fun of... Shadowlass's ancestor for being a goody two shoes, right? Uh-huh. And somebody shot Block's ancestor in the chest, and they're and Strata's molting. <laughs> it's just a very different book, right? Like you, I went, and then I'm waiting for you know this. What I'm going to see next is this dark Legion goes from this bright shiny future to this very dark. Uh, five years later, the Legion's been disbanded. What happened? We don't know. So a lot of changes. And, you know, and of course, it's all the Dark Knight Returns faults, right? Right. Right. Like, because right. <laughs> every comic had to be dark now. Rawr. Dark. Well, I mean, people, I, I, I think at that time, it, and, and this has been a conversation that a lot of people have had, is like that book kind of turned comics because of the darkness, the, the storytelling and the, the dark, gritty feel and stuff like that uh, on its on its end a bit. And it kind of changed the perspective of, of the reader, of how people looked at comics. They were no longer just a... Um, even even some of the, the books that we read earlier that dealt with a lot of adult topics, uh, they were still fun and flashy, right? Right. That book is not fun, not flashy. This uh, book here and, that we're reading? Oh, no, no, or no, no, no. Dark Knight. No, Dark yeah. Knight is not yeah. fun, not flashy. Uh, in that sense, it is it is a definite like it's a gut puncher of a book, and it's um, I think it, it definitely it made people rethink what comics are. And well, and I think part of it too is it had um, you know they, it, in theory they're growing the readers with the product, right? Just <laughs> like we talked about in the Spider Man books, yeah, in the '60s, and in this case, you know they're growing from a teenage reader, so they're out of kids' books, right? Yeah. And honestly, too, you're mentioning Dark. If you track Legion, though, I think it's an easy one to follow, right? Because you had the Legion of the Silver Age, which is directed at Superman readers who were, you know, eight to twelve, right? Yeah. And then you have 
those readers grow up and start creating fanzines and they get a huge following because it's a group of teenage superheroes in space. And so they're evolved, right? And they're evolved to late teens, early 20s heroes, right? And then as the series goes on, they're evolved to, you know, late teens, early 20s, later 20s, right? Found people going off and having kids, having babies. And then you stop that book and five years later, you're like, oh, these are all adults and they're dealing with real adult problems. Yeah. And they're dark and it's gritty. And at the same time, you've got, you know, and, and that's that evolves straight out of of, of that Dark Knight Returns yeah. idea. Yeah. And then you get the team. They did that with the Teen Titans, sort of, but they didn't really like they stutter stepped it and then it lost its readership. Yeah. It, and, and I think we've, we've talked about that in the past, too, with, with that book series where you've got these um, the Teen Titans uh, of early which you know are, are fun and they're it's a it's definite teen book of of teens doing this thing and then it gets kind of dark and and, and it just kind of doesn't do what it, the direction that it was going <laughs> well and you and you have too right like with x-men marvel uses siege perilous to relaunch the universe right mm-hmm. so that's how you know when you're writing a book for how many years did he write that freaking book like 10 11 yeah I mean, yeah, like it's I mean, so he uses the seat. I mean, a lot of people don't like the Siege Perilous storyline, but uses that to sort of relaunch it so he can introduce new characters, get some Chris Claremont's who I'm referring to, by the way, everyone. Like if you didn't know, (laughs) know. I'm sure some people don't. I mean, I saw some of our audience when we were at the convention. I bet some of them they don't know that Chris Claremont wrote the X-Men forever. Right. They've only (laughs) seen what the X-Men is now. And to do that, you know, Chris Claremont sort of he relaunches the universe right and john Barron relaunched the universe too in the 70s with the giant size x-men book and then Clearbot keeps the characters around but wipes their memories launches it lets them come back and you know re-evolve and allows him to introduce characters like gambit right <laughs> so this was going on in comics too it was a trope that people would use in this case it's different because i think we had giffen you know with justice league rejecting the dark knight notion and saying I'm not going to write a Dark Knight book. I'm going to write a funny book. Yeah. And I'm going to take these characters that, you know, I'm going to take these B-list characters and make it into a book that sells. And, you know, Justice League replaces Teen Titans as Legion and Legion is the top selling book. Right. And every that book, that book was hard. You can get it now. It's kind of amazing if you think about it now. Now you can go find a number one probably for like 15 bucks. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we were kids, that book was a $40 book. Oh, yeah. It was I, I, I never thought I'd be able to buy that book, right? Yeah. When I was a kid, I know 40 bucks now as a grown adult making real money is not <laughs> this yeah. teenager like 40 bucks. But as a as a 15 year old, you know, working at my dad's shop in the summer, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I can't afford that one. I'll never read it. And I actually didn't pick up. I didn't. I don't think I started collecting Justice League until like issue 35 ish. Mm-hmm. It was quite a ways in that I had to go find the back issues uh, oh. because yeah, I, I had a couple of the early issues. No, it was earlier than that. I think it was in the 20s. But mm-hmm. I didn't get it right away because at that point, I didn't have enough money to buy more than a couple books a month. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, man, this is good. And then I started, you know, finding the back ones, but I could never get issue one. Yeah. And, and I bring this up <laughs> because <laughs> because we're talking about it. Last time we talked about Alan Grant, the scripter, but I wanted to highlight Keith Giffen a little bit in this issue and what he <laughs> was doing at DC at the time. Yeah. And this book seems to embrace, you know, if 
Giffen has three books, right? If you want to think of them, uh, he has lots more than three books. But let's right. say let's say Justice League is the rejection of the Dark Knight. <laughs> Legion is the the Legion five years later is the acceptance that the Dark Knight has invaded comics, right? <laughs> and then he wants to put a new spin on these characters right. and go to a dark world. This Legion Legion book is really the bridge of the two. Oh yeah, this. I mean, this takes like the 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 dark kind of storylines that you're going to get out of a Dark Knight story, but the absurdity of char- characters pulling them off, <laughs> like and you know, like you're you're getting you're getting a nice a nice mix, and it it works. And I think and it's something you know I've cited here. You've told me times you know, one of your favorite writing uh, exercises is to take a character that doesn't fit in a situation and put them in an absurd situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this case, and you know, the book's mascot for a little while and they're, I'm, I'm going to tell you in a few issues, they're going to write Garen back out of this role to an extent and focus on other characters. Cause they're going to yeah. develop, but Garen back is the fish out of water character here. Right. Oh, for sure. No, no superpowers was out of his depth as a police officer, as we were seeing in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't know how to handle his world. and But that's because his world was insane, right? He lives on a random drug dealer planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he wants to be a cop, and he wants to be a good guy. No wonder he's all moody and depressed, though I do think the writing is hilarious. Oh, it's definitely really... I mean, it's it's very uh, driven writing, and... It, it's very telling of the character. It's it's really nice. It's a compliment to, even though we we're joking about his you know emotiveness and, and whatnot in the last episode. It it definitely tells a lot about the character. And as you get to know this character uh, through these books, how and why they are the way. Well, let's let's jump in. Let's jump yeah. in. We get we get to page one: heroes and villains, and we get. Uh, we get a guy with losing his hair, looking up, and he says, you see, first you put one leg down the side <laughs> until it comes out the bottom. Good grief. How can you possibly not know how to dress yourself? And we don't remember this from last issue. What What is going on? I, I know. <laughs> it seems different. And I will bring it in because this does relate to the issues. I don't know if you got a chance to read the first few issues, but this does relate back to them. So I can fill in some blanks yeah, for you and we can cover the subplot very quickly. Yeah, I didn't get a chance. But I, 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 as soon as I as soon as I flipped into this page, like I was like, I read this. I read this as a kid because I remember this goofy dude explaining how to put on pants. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who this guy is. What's going on? (laughs) And before we go too much further, we do have our credits. Keith Giffen on plot and breakdowns. Alan Grant on script. Barry Kitson, penciler. Mark McKenna, inker. Laverne Kurzniski, colorist. Gaspar, letter. Art Young, associate editor. And Karen Berger, editor. So the same team as last issue, which is always nice when you have some continuity. And we get a, we turn the page and we get a big green butt. (laughs) Big green butt. And, uh, I guess they were pulling out their watchmen. You know. mm-hmm. Well, I guess if it was watchmen, he'd be facing the other way. Yeah, yeah. Big green schlong, right? Like yeah. that would be. <laughs> well, anyway, we get this big green uh, person, creature thing. Naked, and he's, naked person thing. <laughs> yeah, and he mentions that he left Kolu and he is a loathsome, detestable bioorganism temporarily. And I, what I can tell you about this character is we've got some dialogue. It looks like he's killed everybody else who tried to make him close. 
or teach him about how to be a bioorganism. And these are the computer tyrants of Kalu. They have left Kalu and they've gone into a big green body. And there is an interesting history to this because there was a character in Legion called Pulsar Stargrave that looked a lot like this. And so the computer tyrants apparently make it all the way to the 30th century. So eventually, but he lies and said he's Brainiac. He says he's Brainiac's dad. He says he's all sorts of things. Uh, but Keith Giffen's sort of putting an origin on this character. And that character had some real interesting bent to it because it there was a story that Jim Starlin wrote. And <laughs> then they waited so long to print the second half of the story that Jim Starlin wouldn't put his name on it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, so he called himself something else. I forget what it was. I have it signed by Jim Starlin. That's cool. Yeah. He's like, wow. He he barely remembered he did it. That's the funny part. Or he he was brushing it off. But no, we chatted about it. He started, I reminded him a little bit about it and he remembered. But yeah, I thought it was a kick to have a Jim Starlin book, but signed by Jim Starlin, but with different credits in it. That's fine. This character was a weird one because uh, if this character is the same person, of course, this is a thousand years in the past. It might be a different character, but because who knows? Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah. History's rewrite. But I did think it was a neat touch. Again, it's Giffen taking sort of a character that didn't have a a good backstory that Mm -hmm. the writers had dropped the backstory on. And this is one of the villains that that Paul Levitz doesn't pick back up when he does his Legion, big, long Legion run, right? From like 1982 to like 88, right? So he doesn't pick this character back up. So now Keith Giffen, who was also on the Legion book with Levitz for a lot of the time, right? Can go grab this character and mess with it and give it an origin. One of the things we were just saying that Giffen does best. Mm -hmm. And basically we get this really scared Taylor trying to make this poor guy pant, this guy pants. Can't be fucking fuck naked. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't seem like the best place to learn about everything about how to live as a bioorganism either, but that's what this guy's trying to do. Yeah. So maybe that's why he's so screwed up. But anyway, there's your computer tyrants of Kalu. They escaped, nice. and now they're a big Brainiac-looking person. Was Brainiac at the time, Brainiac was the um, big ship Brainiac too, right? And okay. the robot at this time, I think. Mm-hmm. Or had he gone back to being green, the original uh, Brainiac? Been, I'm pretty sure he was the robot Brainiac, not the robot, I need, yeah. not the Brainiac wants pants too, <laughs> or not Brainiac wants pants too. Brainiac yeah. just wants a pair of pants, and Solomon yeah. Grundy wants pants too. I messed up the thing, the Super Friends cartoon, but that didn't come out till the 2000s. So they just want pants. Anyway, they yeah, have the best birthday parties. <laughs> I'm just wondering if one of them read this issue and got the idea for that. Well, I mean, I know that. I know that they're going to have the best birthday party. (laughs) That's fair. Well, let's go on. The dogs are clearly very excited about going to the next page. They are super excited. And we are on to learning about what happened with the actual story that was going on last issue. Uh, Instead of going back to the first four issues. And we get villain. Person guilty or capable of great wickedness, pocket Oxford dictionary. I love that that Alan Grant and Keith Giffen went out of their way to look up a big, you know, grab a big dictionary and, and pull it off the shelf. And I think those are the kind of part. Those are the small parts about this book that make it perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get it. 
it, it seems lazy. It seems it seems lazy, and it also seems undignified, right? The pocket Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> like, it's like they didn't even try, but I love it. Uh, and we get the crews talking. So the Durlin has gone down to the planet to help people out, and he's explaining the story. So we get uh, a, a nice aside. So the Durlin's going to catch us up on what happened last issue. Isn't that nice? Very. You are all over the place. You've got dogs and a fax coming in. Is that your latest contract there? Wow. I just going crazy. The Durlin would not be happy. No. And there the we go. Would not be happy. Well, you interrupted his you re- interrupted his monologue. In addition to interrupting his monologue, we we get to go back. So he says, "You see, Doc's only pretended to send Lobo down to assassinate Canis Biz. As soon as you four left for the Biz estate, Docs and Lobo shuttled down to Zalman City. Hey, we, we read that last issue, right? Yeah. It's almost like we're getting a recap. <laughs> a recap. <laughs> while Lobo, yeah, Lobo persuaded the majority of the city police to switch their allegiance, Docs installed himself as the chief, their chief commissioner. As far as I'm aware, their ploy was entirely successful. They run Zalman City now. And Larissa's like, by the shadows of the elders. <laughs> <laughs> the man is deranged. He doesn't know when to stop. And Vax like, ah, he suckered us again. <laughs> the yeah. Turlin's like, and their first action as such is to be an all-out assault on Candace Bid. So if you missed, missed last our last recap, there you go. We just recapped it right there. there but I always still go back and listen to the previous episode because yeah. it was on point. It was good. Well, anyway, we get to the next page. And now... Larissa's like, can Docs get away with this? And Beck's like, can fish swim? Like, is Beck like, is Beck like if Guy Gardner didn't have a power ring? Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Right. Like if Guy Gardner was completely emasculated. I just say it like that. No, no power ring. Just, just, uh, I'm, I'm down in the dumps. Just, I'm gonna, I want to punch something, but I'm just too, too out of it to do it. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I always thought Guy Gardner needed to be emasculated. I don't see that as a negative term in this conversation. Yeah. No, he was he was always pumped up <laughs> like too much. Yeah, like what is wrong with this human? A peg down, so, maybe do him some good. <laughs> so, or a hit on the head yes. to change his personality back. But yeah, so well now we get a very mad team. They're trying to to figure out what's going on, and Stealth's upset with the Durlin because she thinks he helped him. Mm-hmm. help docs and and now we've got now we've got back to the two government types right we've got shadow or i almost called her shadow last good night dan we've got larissa <laughs> mm-hmm. who is the representative of her government basically yes, right yes yes and she can only support the firmly established government of columbia i mean karen yes okay right and that in this case is the warlord who is Canis Biz, right? Yes. I mean, the the drug dealer, Canis Biz. I mean, yes. the legitimate businessman, Canis Biz. Biz. Right. <laughs> and we've got Docs over there trying to take over, set, you know, prop up the military to have a coup, basically. Yes. And yeah, if you weren't getting the subtext last issue, well, you're you're really getting it now. Gonna get it now. And then we have a freaked out Durlin and we get an interesting comment, which will play in the next few issues, though we're not going to cover those. So I won't spend too much time on it. But Beck's like, Stealth had you really spooked. And the Durlin says, I'm always repulsed by life forms as totally alien as it, as she is. It's almost impossible for me to scan her. I could never properly duplicate her. 
some foreshadowing for the future. Interesting. That we're not going to cover. Yes, we're not going to cover. <laughs> but if you read more, you can read more. And I recommend reading more. These are good read books. More. So uh, then we get uh, Larissa out there demanding to see Canis Biz. And she's getting the runaround a little bit. Yeah. But Mr. then. Bumpy Knuckles or whatever his name is. The yeah. Bowtied uh, henchman or bodyguard. Bodyguard. <laughs> he just wants to give her drugs. <laughs> He's like, what, yeah. what can I get you? What kind of drugs do you want? She probably needs some quaaludes or something. He needs something. to calm down. Yeah. yeah. Like, so anyway, then explosions start happening and it gets a little bit more serious. And we get to the next page and we see the Candace Biz estate surrounded by a whole bunch of ships. And it doesn't look like it's going well. No, no, it doesn't. It, it looks like uh, all hell's breaking loose at the Candace Biz estates. <laughs> And we get some announcements to the police officers that are invading the estates. This is Inspector Lobo. Inspector Lobo. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a badge now. Apparently. I don't think I'd appoint him as an inspector. That doesn't seem like his, uh, what I would put him. You know, I think he just took the title himself. (laughs) And if you're Lobo, you can do that. And he says, you heard Chief Docs' briefing. Any deserters answer to me. Any cowards answer to me. Any traitors answer to me. You got numbers on your side. You got right on your side. And best of all, you got me on your side. So now get in there and frag those drug dealing bastards. So man, Wolverine just yeah. speech. Yeah, we know where this I mean- is. <laughs> 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 uh, I just, you know, yeah, sure. Space Wolverine. Yeah. With his dolphins. Wolverine's based off of Wolf. <laughs> What? Team Wolf? What? Timberwolf. Not Timberwolf. Stop that. You always do this every time. So anyway, <laughs> Teen Wolf is something else. It's Plays a great a TV show. Oh my gosh. So good. You watch that? No. <laughs> Seriously? Teen Wolf 2 is the best though. Jason <laughs> Bateman. Best Teen Wolf. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> when Teen Wolf gets into a boxing ring, you better watch out. My sister was on Family Ties, and I get to be Teen Wolf too. I mean, he's going to go on to a much better career and much more famous career than my sister. That's right. I mean, well, that is how that happened, though, right? Like, I'm not. That is how that happened. She stepped back from doing all of the screen stuff, and she became a writer, director, producer, and other stuff like that. So she went to the other side of the house while he stayed in the in the. Well, she also got massively typecast too. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she she's doing fantastic stuff and i mean right now she's she's doing a lot of you, you sure jumped into a justine bateman defense there i did well i mean you know because i think i wasn't critical of justine bateman i was critical of jason bateman and then you like start defending her like hey you know i mean i was like jason bateman gets the film because he's justine's brother right like and right. you're like hold it's up true. justine hold is up. amazing <laughs> Hold up, hold up. I mean, I feel like you have a chip in your shoulder about the Batemans. <laughs> tell us more. Like, what well, is going okay, on? let me tell you something. Okay, so twice removed, third cousins on my nose. <laughs> joking. Apparently, or you're concerned about the banana stand. Like, I don't know what's going on right I now. I am concerned about the banana stand because there's, there's always, always money, money, in the money in the banana stand. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> well, anyway, we've got a full on at, at attack. And the weird purpley soldiers with the pink upside down pink triangles are now launching against the much better armed. Apparently, it looks like I would say the soldiers have better armor. Yeah. But the drug dealers 
henchmen have better weapons. Yeah, it's generally how it works, right? Yeah, so this should be a yeah, this should be an I guess yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've I've never run uh I've never run a coup in Colombia, so I had I'll admit I haven't been on the front lines, and I haven't watched a lot of the Pablo Escobar stuff. Um, I, I, feel, was, I feel like we were just reading that in the newspaper as kids, so I yeah. don't felt the need to go I back mean, and watch it. You go back and you take a look at stuff, and this is just me. This is this is the part of the history that I know. I mean, you're getting supplied by both sides, but it seems to be <laughs> like, I mean, you're getting supplied by the same side. It just tends to be that one side gets better toys. Well, in this case, <laughs> and in this case, of course, Docs is disrupting that, right? So oh, yeah. Docs is basically, I mean, we're going to some. Yeah. So anyway, we get um, we get uh, the next page and it says some fight, some run, some die. But the sheer weight of the numbers pushes them on. So the theoretically lesser trained police force is taken out. Biz's henchmen and his small private army just overwhelming them. And we get a big estate that's not looking so hot right now. It looks like a lot of smoke and things coming out of it. And then Lobo shows up and he finds the team. Oh, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, well, what are you jerks standing around for? Seize the moment, peoples, and the place to boot. And Stealth's like, guys, and the Durlin's like, sounds like a system war going on out there. And Beck is like, oh, Grok, Canis Bizzle think we set him up. We've got to get out of here. And Larissa, the only sane one, is just like, uh, Lobo? <laughs> 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 so not going so hot there. No, not at all. And then then Larissa says the deceit is doxes and the fight is to uh, we will have no part in this and still maintaining that moral high ground of supporting the politically installed leader, right, or the properly installed leader. This is the one that the U.N. recognizes, right? We can't go against that one. And Lobo's like, suit yourself, champ. Uh, Me, I'm a good little soldier. I follow orders. I take the dump myself. (laughs) I'll take the dump myself. And at, at, at this line, Beck has absolutely had it. He says, Lobo, you dirty backstabbing murderer. And Lobo says, my oh my, wedgehead wimp. And now Beck's lost it. You and Docs are two of a kind. Killers, perverted maniacs, playing games with other people's lives. And Lobo's like, oh, hurt me, sweet thing. And he's like, right, that does it. And he punches Lobo right in the face. Wow. Yelling, eat knuckles, Gronk Bocker, which... Grockbacher, Grockbacher. I, I, I think we should take a drink every time Garen says Grock. Yeah, I mean, boy, oh boy. I mean, he says it a lot, so it might lead to alcohol poisoning or Lobo's superpowers. I'm not sure. He might well, get uh, Lobo's superpowers. Are pretty sweet. If I could get some space dolphins, yes, bring them. And, and then we get. Uh, so this was a bad idea because now Lobo is very upset, mm-hmm. and. Beck's like, oh, you can't hit me because there's a contract. <laughs> and it was like, the contract says nothing about crippling you. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, uh, just because just because you, uh, you you hit the safe space on, uh, on the playground, that's like based during tag doesn't mean um, not going to be waiting. <laughs> right. So now uh, they both run into Strata. Strata grabs Beck and Lobo breaks his nose running face first into Strata's belly. Yeah, that's smart. It just makes him matter. <laughs> and here we go. Now we're going to have a several page fight. And it is a fantastic one. So first we get Lobo chasing Beck. So Beck immediately sprints off. 
and Larissa Larissa is all like, flee, Garen, we'll hold him back. Because I'm I'm sure her shadow casting powers are gonna be like the thing that stops Lobo. Right. Have we seen Larissa use her powers yet? No. Never. <laughs> no. I'm sure stealth's stealth power is mm-hmm. gonna be good in this fight. What do you think? Oh no. What do we got? We've got are we thinking probably only Strata and the Durlin probably have a chance against this dude? Yeah, definitely. Those I, I, I can't imagine um the other two powers being much of a match for Lobo and whatever Lobo throws. And then Garen Beck's power of of, of super whining? Yeah. Probably not. Oh no, Lobo, leave me alone. <laughs> so Don't the Durlin transforms hair. into this devilly looking creature. It's pretty sweet. Horns, and just grabs Lobo oh, and Lobo says, <laughs> Oh, help me, Mama Papa. Now I'm really worried. Listen, Calface, the way I see it, the bigger they come. Oh, and we turn the page. <laughs> We're back to the war. Page turn, back to the war at hand. And we've got the police scaling the compound. Looks like the... Uh, see, this is where I'm just... I am useless today. What's what's the big battle in Middle Earth? Oh, oh the, the siege at Hell's, Helm's Deep. Hell's Deep, yeah. <laughs> yeah We're there. Here's, here we go. We got the outer space version with guns of that. Yeah. And the... The private army's yelling, there are too many of them, fall back, seal the doors. And I know how this goes. It doesn't go well in, in yeah. Helm's Deep, so no, <laughs> I'm thinking probably not going to go well here either. Hey, we get to a flash page, and on page 14, we see Canis Biz again for the first time. Hey, what's up, Biz? And, and he is angry. He said, you, you set up a meet, you come into my home, eat my food, assure me how sincere you are. Then you pull heat on me and get and set some bunch of Yahoo cops to raid my estate. Yeah, you're a real pip, Vril Dox. And there's Vril with a gun holding a gun on Canis Biz. And he says, I knew you'd want to reach an agreement with the new chief of police, Biz. Now it's just you and me locked up in here and the gun, of course. <laughs> and Biz says, so what? What's your angle? What the hell is there for in this for you? And Docs is like, you never even begin to understand. And I, I think that's actually probably a fair statement. Oh, yeah. But it is a visual and written medium. So he probably should tell us at some point. Oh, probably. <laughs> but Canis says, look, exactly what we've got here. I can't call for help without being shot. You can't leave without being shot. I'd say we've got a stalemate. He said, I don't think so. Just watch the screen. And then we see our two that had infiltrated... Earlier, the dinner, dinner earlier party. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Cool. <laughs> he is Mr. Cool. He is Mr. Cool. Look at those sunglasses. And they're trying to help out the police. So there'd be less casualties. Mm-hmm. And basically they respect the law and that's their mission. Cause they were trying to take down the drug dealer because they may be the only two pure people that we've met so far. I don't know. Maybe Garen. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they shoot, the uh, they shoot the people in the private army guarding the entranceway. And now we fully expect a whole flood of police officers to be running into the uh, facility. And this is a foreshadowing in the series, too, because when the police force is established eventually, like mm-hmm. that Vril is alluding to, they have the super powered members of the police force. Right. But they yeah. also try to set up little police forces on every world they go to. Uh, okay. So it is a really interesting 
It's like, think if the Green Lantern Corps weren't just like one Green Lantern on each planet or two Green yeah. Lanterns per sector, right? But literally they went to each planet and they're like, okay, we want a whole bunch of ordinary people to sign up and they're going to be the police. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I'll maybe talk more how I feel about that historically at the end. <laughs> I was going to say, real, there's some historic <laughs> repercussions uh, that... that uh, yeah. Well, just in the U.S. alone, organizations that have gone from city to city telling people they'd, they'd uh, protect their law and order didn't go so well historically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. we, don't, we don't have that anymore for some reason. Well, at least for now, we don't have that. I mean, there is somebody maybe trying to make that happen. Yeah. But, I was going to say know, also in, in, in 1700 that, more indictments later. In countries that, that set up um, uh, small, uh, I would say, outposts around the world and to secure trade routes and uh, and colonize those around them and uh, and told them that they were now part of a bigger picture and uh, we watched you're how part of a bigger mission a you bigger, know yes and we've seen how how that is um, well are you saying changed. that never goes well we've seen how it changed over time <laughs> yeah well great great that, that tells, tells us we're back to his doc's a good guy or a bad guy we don't yeah. know yet so. Well, anyway, uh, we get back to Lobo getting interrupted and he says the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And he slams the Durlin's head into presumably head. But honestly, is that the Durlin's head? Because like, where is the Durlin's head really? I don't know. We don't know. The Durlin just takes a form and I'm assuming it's the Durlin's head. Yeah, it apparently hurts the Durlin because he changes back into his purple robe form. But yeah, I mean, I just thought that was interesting and we see little green tentacly thingies going out the back mm-hmm. but then wall, like a piece of a, like a brick of Velveeta cheese and just into it that, that's fair well Lobo turns around and he asks the team is Wedgehead Beck really worth dying for and Larissa of course speaks up first Garen is our friend it's our duty to protect him whatever the personal cost Strata says I can't argue with that unfortunately and Stell says screw Beck you going to talk us to death, wolf boy, or do we get to taste blood? <laughs> He's like, wolf boy. So I think, too, as we go through the story, too, even scenes like that really do a great. I know the characters, the characters are a little bit two dimensional right now in some right. respects. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're uh, but new. They're, they're new. And I, yeah. this is I think uh, Alan Grant does a really good job of scripting them mm-hmm. to start to give them personality in the same way. Uh, Mark Dematis did with Giffen on Justice League, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Allegret will eventually take over the writing duties on the book, too. So he's setting himself up for success here. Right. So we get, because uh, Keith Giffen can't do everything can't do despite his best efforts yeah. at the time. So anyway, Garen's still running away. And of course, now we get the, the Garen out of water scene again, because Garen, we get the classic Bugs Bunny scene where you open a door. Yeah. And every, all the fighting's going on, and then he just closes the door. Uh, like, nope, nope, nope. And, uh, and we have to drink in the first panel, right? Oh yeah, because Grok. He says, "Oh no," he says, "Oh Grok, I hope he doesn't hurt them." Oh, there's two Groks on this page. There are two yeah. drinks happening. Yeah, good thing I have my creatine slash electrolytes slash BCAAs to drink because that's, that's going to get me really drunk later. That's going to get you so lit. <laughs> what happens when i podcast after Take after walks. rucking after rucking. rucking yeah so now we've got uh now we've got stealth trying to put the rear naked choke on lobo i don't even know <laughs> i don't even know if that works 
but because he just stands up and like carries her around for a while. And Beck takes off. Beck finds the giant fighting with the laser pistols less scary than facing alone. So he starts sprinting through people. I'll just run through this. (laughs) He's like, excuse me, sorry. And Lobo's just like, get out of my fragging way. I don't know what happened to stealth, but uh, I see (laughs) I see Larissa's feet (laughs) like in her cape in the background. (laughs) That's it. Lobo's just tearing through this group of, of fighting people. And here come the rest of, of Legion. And as they're going, somebody shoots Strata. And Strata says, I'll be okay. I'm only chipped. And <laughs> Stealth Stealth uh, cares much more about Strata than Garen because Stealth immediately takes out the person that shot at Strata. Oh, yeah. And, and now Lobo's catching up on Garen. And Lobo said, run-ins only made it worse, Wedgie. I don't like wimps that run. <laughs> <laughs> Always the great logo, Lobo, logo, Lobo dialogue. Lobo logos. It's full of logos. Yeah. So I see that's where my brain is going is clearly Lobo is the only logical one in the book. Right. Of course. So always he says always makes me wonder what I can do to slow him down. This doesn't sound real good. Well, now we flash back to Docs and Biz having their philosophical conversation about whether the drug lord should continue to run Columbia or the police state should take over. Mm-hmm. I mean, Karen. Karen, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Biz says, this isn't getting us nowhere, Docs. So your guys is beating up my guys. Big deal. Next time out, it'll be our turn. He said, we're men of the world. We can come to some sort of mutual agreement. And Docs is like, no deals. Watch the screen. And he's like, Lobo? No. <laughs> got Lobo on your payroll? Oh, Nobody no. messes with that dude. He said, hell, man, uh, why didn't you just say so up front? Uh, why allow all this fighting and killing? And <laughs> Docs is like, my men needed the experienced experience. They must be seasoned in combat. Seasoned? Uh-oh. Take a drink. Drink. My Grok, you're crazy. And Docs is like, yeah, become effective. They need to feel that this victory is theirs. That way, they will rally willing me around me. Rally. Oh, geez. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, geez. Not that kind of rally. So uh, he says, Karen is going to be changing Canis Biz. The day of the drug lord is over. The law has come. I have come. Eater of wor- I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Eater of worlds. Now I believe you were about to surrender. And uh, the next announcement, this is Canis Biz. To all uh, employees, lay down your weapons. We're surrounded. We're surrendering. Yeah. Uh, go quietly and don't give the cops no trouble. They, uh, uh, they got orders to execute troublemakers. Go bear that in mind, boys. Uh, don't worry though. I expect we'll be straightening it out. Uh, the whole misunderstanding in, in the very near future. And this guy's got like a prisoner number one, one, three, two, one, two. That must stand for something, right? There is too much subtext in this book, but I don't know what that's for or from. Maybe you can tell me in a second. I have no idea. I don't know. But the prisoner's like, shoot, you guys must be airbrains. Why didn't you just keep taking the bribes? And the officer says, believe me, pal, I'd be happy to. But the new chief don't see things in the same light. So I don't know if they've completely come around to docs yet. They don't they don't they don't seem to be saying it. And we get back <laughs> to the next page. And Larissa's like, easy, Garen, I've called medics. Uh, they'll be right here for you. Garen's like, they broke my he broke my legs. Oh, Grok, it hurts. Uh, take another drink. I'm now out of my watery creatine crap. So, oh, Grok. 
Yeah, Ogrok is fragging creatine. <laughs> and we flash and we get uh, <laughs> we get uh, Lobo in a, <laughs> a gelatinous thing <laughs> that the Durlin has put him in. So Durlin has changed his strategies. He's like made it so he can't move. Too bad he didn't think of that earlier. Uh-huh. And then we get uh, Larissa saying, Docs will pay for this by the moons of Talek. I swear it, uh, though we are partly to bra- blame. And Strata's like, we are? <laughs> and Larissa's like, yes, we let him get away with it. All and get away with all, get all down the line. We should have made a stand. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? She's like, <laughs> Larissa has to be the guilty party in every situation, right? There's, right. there's no... And then we get a flash to the big giant guy, the bodyguard. And he's like, ah, you must be the group the chief had working on the inside. Guess, guess we must be. Is this the bodyguard or is this the, is this the bodyguard or is this the Mr. Cool guy? Just a different guy. Okay. Well, he says, this is a great day for Zalman City Police Force. The new chief is truly a godsend, a veritable hero. You must be very proud of him. Hero? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, proud? Uh why, yes, he's turned this whole force around 180 degrees for the first time ever. They have a little self-respect. Chief Docs gave us that. We're real law enforcers now, not drug lord puppets. Oh, I know a lot of us deserted after the bust went down, but we'll soon fill out our ranks. There are more decent people on care than you think. And when they realize the Chief Docs himself will be leading us, well, let's just say we're expecting heavy recruitment. Uh, Strata is sighing. Stealth is laughing. And Larissa has had it <laughs> like no curse you to hell for old docs. Garen was right. You're a perverted maniac. And when I get my hands on you, they're like, go sick him shady, which is shadow Lass's nickname. <laughs> no wonder I get confused. Even yeah. uh, the dialoguer gets confused sometimes. <laughs> and the officer's like, oh, was it something I said? And so I was like, <laughs> it was everything you said. Dozens dead, hundreds wounded, all to make a wild dream come true. Just how far are you willing to go, Verl Docs? And we flip the play page, and Candace Biz has been shot in the head. And we get a definition. Hero, man admired for great deeds and noble qualities, illustrious fighter from the pocket Oxford Dictionary. And a caption that says, next issue, blood will out. Ooh, Verl Docs. So in in this case, uh, the police force has been pumped up by an external force to take over Columbia and we have a new puppet government installed. Looks like it. And he's in his full future Legion symbol gear. Mm-hmm. Now I'll pay you $5 if you can tell me what Legion stands for later. Uh, but you're everyone like, you're like, what? <laughs> in on nothing. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I don't even remember it all. Oh. I can tell you the first two were licensed, it was licensed, extra governmental. I know that part, but I'm going to have to look up the rest. Licensed extra governmental interstellar operatives network. <laughs> not, okay. not that they stretched it at all <laughs> to get to that. Nice. But there we go. There's our two issues of Legion. And whoo, that was a ride. So definitely. who do you think? Um, so two thoughts yeah. from me, and then I'll let you run. Uh, one... I like the ending because it doesn't give us a definitive who is the good guy, right? Right. It shows us, I mean, if the subtext is the drug war and, you know, playing with people's lives in these countries, it just shows us that, like, neither approach was the right approach, right? Right. 
propping up the old government or destroying the old government still got lots of people murdered and it still doesn't serve the people though. The people thought they're being served, right? It's still serving docs. And that's ultimately what was happening in the drug war. Right. And a lot of these, a lot of the countries where, you know, specifically, and and again, I'm 90% sure there's an analog for Columbia. Keith Giffen, if I'm wrong, Tell me, you can reach out to us at Funny Book Forensics. If you were looking at another drug war when thinking up the story, that's fine. Uh, And I may have my timelines, you know, slightly off, right? But to me, it's pretty clearly Columbia. (laughs) And because I don't get like the Shining Path vibe here, right? Like I'm not getting a Peru vibe on this one. Right. And it could be other places. I mean, it could be a Southern Mexico vibe, like a Chiapas region vibe, I guess. Could be, but I think that's later. I'm, I'm fe- well, no, it was about um, it was around the same time. Well, this book is in 89. Uh, yeah, like the chat. I mean, the, they had the drug war there, but it it escalated after NAFTA, too. So that's later. That's definitely later. Yeah, it's like definitely in the mid 90s. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in the book. But anyway, what, what were your thoughts? Oh, man, like I, I really liked I liked the build of the story. I liked how um the last two issues definitely brought you through a, a complete compact little story about Canada, uh, like Karen cannabis, uh, how this, this place is and kind of what docs kind of had a, a, he's got a greater vision. We're going to find out more about that. Or I mean, if you continue to read this story, you're going to find more about that. But then also I liked how we, get a real feel for these characters and stuff. Uh, why they, even though Wedgehead is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a tool. But <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but they're, they're like, Hey, he's part of our team. So we got to stick up for him and stuff. Uh, I feel like that, that's it. It's, there's a nice settlement there, but there's also some distinction, dissension in, in the ranks as it is because everyone has a different feel as to what they should be doing, what they want to be doing. So based on their past situations, so it's, it's going to lead us into more development later. So I like, I like how this is a nice, uh, if you didn't get that kind of build in previous books and you're just kind of getting that, you're still feeling like there's, like you said, the two dimensional feel for some of the characters. I, I feel like we're adding and sculpting more to the characters in these two issues. Yep. And I think too, like it's, it's classic, you know, build a team that's not a team, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. They were, and I think, like, I, I compared to them to the Defenders last mm-hmm. issue, but it's almost like at least the Defenders had the 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 cause, right, of saving the Earth from external threats, right? And this team doesn't even have a cause yet, right? Like, they don't no. know. They're just stuck together because of a situation, and they don't necessarily like each other, right? Or care for each other, you know. We're just like, okay, well, we're, we're stuck together. And one of us has a contract that says they can't kill anybody. <laughs> yep. Well, and it's also interesting, too. You know, you may not remember, but uh, Giffen and Dematis did a five-issue miniseries, a Defenders miniseries in 2005. Oh, yeah. So it's just funny that these sort of groups and teams keep coming back up, right, for the same creator. Mm-hmm. And oh. I think it's very intentional in what he's choosing to do, right? Yeah. And I mean, when you have editorial teams looking at who 
who tells good stories with team dynamics and stuff like that. And you can look at something like this or other works that draw from that type of storytelling and, and team dynamics because there's always going to be uh, you know, a couple different lines going through those stories and you're going to want somebody that can tell those types of things clear but also in a way that makes the reader not trip over things and I feel like they do that. They do that in this, they do that in the other stories that they tell and it's I was on an editorial team, I'd be like, yeah, this is who I want working on this because they're able to do that and, and get that kind of storytelling value for the reader. Exactly. And I'm sure I don't want anybody to win a no prize on this episode. Yes, yes, I am aware that Keith Giffen drew the Defenders as one of his early, you know, as, as in his early comic work. I know that I am aware of that, but I'm not talking about Keith Giffen getting early drawing work. I'm talking about Keith Giffen, the the, the full on plotter creator, right, of books, right? Not a couple of jobs in the Defenders, right? Yeah. So, though, could be why he wanted to go back to it too. Yeah, I mean, you find something that you like, a property that you like, and you're like, oh, hey, I really enjoyed that. I think I have some more stuff to add to it. Can I can I add my own touch? But he definitely just Justice Leagueified it when he did that five issue <laughs> series. So, oh, I mean, is that a bad thing though? I mean, it definitely draws readers from both sides. Well, considering the Defenders with a defunct title at that point, probably not a bad thing. <laughs> they probably just wanted to use the property, but or have somebody actually use the property, use but the property yeah. and get people excited, interested in it, and get people to go, oh. Oh, hey, this is this is neat. I like this. This is this is the same thing that I like, but slightly different, a little bit newer, and a different take on it that I wasn't expecting. So, but here I like it too because we get new characters that you know were created in uh, in Invasion, and (laughs) obviously they're analogs to other Legion characters. But again, like I said last issue, he gets to create them, and we're still figuring these characters out. And honestly, too, like I'll say at this point as a kid. I kept buying this book because it was a Legion book and I'm a completist because my brain just functions that way. But I'm not sure this was my favorite book at this point. I was hungry for I was mad that the Legion was gone. Legion of Superheroes book was canceled. I was waiting for the next book to come out and I'm reading this and thinking, okay, you know, and I think it was between books at this point. This cover dates July 89, right? And so I'm nine. I am ninety percent sure this book was out when there was no Legion of Superheroes book actually out, which makes it even funnier, right? Because <laughs> theoretically, it's ancestors of the Legion of Superheroes, but they don't even have a book, right? Out. And so I don't know if that's funny or ironic or whatever, but yeah, it's a sense of there's a sense of irony, but a sense of fun to it too. I mean, you're getting to read a book based on the analogs of characters that you like being told in a different way that those characters and in doing things that those characters may or may not do in those books that you've read and, and come to love. So okay. uh, if you're reading this type of book and these type and these characters are doing a total aside from what you're used to, it's okay. And you can accept that your, you know, your brain is like, Oh, it's not the character I like. It's just like a relative of theirs or, you know, this analog doing this thing and it's okay that they're doing that because it's not them and i can go with that story yeah and by the way this is just wild so i am off a little bit so this book's cover date july 89 that would have been the same cover date as legion of superheroes 62 the Mm -hmm. volume three which is the second to last issue 
the last issue would come out next month. So not only is Giffen doing all this other stuff, he was also plotting with Levitz and drawing the Legion book while writing <laughs> this one and Justice League and everything else. Was Dang. he off Justice League at this point? I'd have to take a look, yeah, but I don't one. think so. I don't think so. So anyway, we just minute warning. <laughs> hardest, hardest working man in show business, Keith Giffen, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, well, all right. So, well, Greg is giving me the two minute warning, which means we got to wrap this up or we're not going to have any recording. So, Greg, I think we've covered this one thoroughly. Uh, yeah. Do you have any plugs? Any plugs? I mean, uh, as always, at the moment right now, Starlight, we are gearing up to, to launch that Kickstarter. So for issue six, uh, follow us at our Instagram, at the Starlight. Go to Kickstarter, there. look up Starlight Six and hit the little button that says notify me. It is S-T-A-R-L-I-T-E, not to be confused with the spelling that you might think it should be in your brain. All right. And I don't have any plugs right now. I just need to take a shower. So because I was sweating and working out, not because this book was bad. <laughs> he was like, oh, my God, this shower said this, this book's so bad. I got to clean myself. I yep. mean, after all the drugs, you, you should. Yeah. And the murder. And well, well, have a grokking good day, Greg. And you have uh, a grokking good day, too, Dan. Listeners will grok away until we can grok back at you soon. Grokking all night long. That's um we're going to yeah. grok and roll all night. We're going to grok and roll all night. I'm grokking every day. You're grokking every day in the good old grokking A. Wait, what? Uh, I don't know. Beth, I, Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't grok home right now. That's right. You can't. Because, this, well, this podcast is over. It's over. It's done. Goodbye. 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 I mean, we're hitting the button now. Bye. <laughs>